Ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, you're back with the Woodsman Perspective Podcast, and, and we're glad you joined us. Good to be back on the air, back in the house, and, and we're in the Meat House studio, uh, and it's uh, it's a new year. It's the first time we've gotten together this year. It's a new year, and everybody survived the holidays and the big polar vortex that came through the south, and, and, and here we are, and there's a lot happening right now. It's January is. in the south, yeah. and particularly in Mississippi, we got a rut. Uh, Chris is still looking for ducks. Ooh, and everybody's far few in between. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's talking about those food plots. That's if you're uh, if you're plugged in to any any type of podcast or social media or sort of the hunting scene, then you're you're familiar with this discussion about what that freeze did to the food plots. And uh, we probably would have been on a little earlier, but uh, Bobby Cole stole Bobby Cole stole all our help and put them on the Gamekeeper podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad that freeze was. They called in the it big It was guns. bad now. It was bad. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I think it went like from, what, 58 degrees to, to nine. Eight. Yeah. You know, and that's, what, 10 hours? 10 yeah, hours. It was quick. It was, it was overnight. Quick. It that's was right. fast. It, it was a real quick drop. But that goes to show you, you know, they, I say that jokingly, you know, about Bobby and, and the GameKeeper podcast, but, you know, they're a seed, they sell seed. And, and they it sell was a good product. Quick. Yes. They were getting hammered with phone calls and people reaching out to them, and, and, and you know, everybody was seeing it. You know, one of the first things you saw after that, that freeze, that big freeze, is the food plots turned yellow and brown. And uh, folks want some answers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, want to know it, what to do, right? Well, I can tell you this the, the first plot I saw was a Durana field that I had, a white clover, and, and when I looked at it, it was solid brown, it turned it upside down, and I mean, I couldn't, it looked like a it looked like you had sprayed it with a Gramoxone. I mean, it was... And it looked like a million dollars. Right. It was a million before. dollars, <laughs> and I mean, it was just, I mean, just gone. And uh, so, I mean, I know, Mitt, you got tons of phone calls. We did. Because you're the, you're, the, you're the crop man, and and uh, and I mean, me and you talked every day about, right. hey, what about this, what about that? But uh, it, it was... it. I've never, and I don't know, I've been planting, I had to think about it, but I've been planting food plots over 30 years. And I... I couldn't believe it. I'd, I'd never seen it drastically change that much. And we've seen cold as cold temperatures as we had, maybe even yeah. colder. Right. But it was something different about this one. Yeah. But I tell you what, the plants didn't have time to acclimate. To me, is it would have been better for them to sit under a blanket of snow for a few days, right? Than to drop from you know have that big of a that swing. That's right. Well, acclimating those plants get to acclimate mid because right. I mean you know people the first thing when I was talking I can't somebody called me and said man what about my I think my wheat's dead I said well guys let me tell you something they're growing wheat in the Midwest that cuts a hundred hundred twenty bushels and they got and, and they got snow a foot deep on top of it up yeah. there I said so I don't think it's gonna kill it but it we're gonna find out i mean it's yeah. gonna do and, and it sure looked dead Woo! it was <laughs> i'm talking about it burn it to the ground and uh you know a lot of the established stuff i think I mean you talked about that I mean a lot of the established clovers that we planted this year that didn't have time to you know get a good root system down i i think it's a total loss on them yeah they took yeah. It, they took it harder and yeah a lot of varietal differences yeah um between the clovers and species and the the rape and the kale mm -hmm. and the turnips all of them, all of them got smoked. Yeah. You know, I've heard all my life. You know, oh man, when it's cold weather, they get sweet. Things, they get That's sweet and sugar. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, it, it made them sweet. All right. I mean, it smoked them down. There wasn't nothing left. Yeah, and you know, again, I keep referencing what 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 I heard from me. You're you're my expert 
Uh, but, you know, it was sort of a perfect storm that happened to them. But then coming out of it, and that's really, you know, we're, we're 10 days out of this thing now, and it's, it's kind of old news to talk about it, but what the following weather was sort of the perfect storm for them to recover too right wasn't that right. pretty good we got back up to the 70s we got some rain got some rain that's got right some rain on mm-hmm. them and got some some warmer temperatures and, and some and some sunshine mm-hmm. and you know we've been looking at food plots hunting right hunting this week looking at food plots that were drilled i don't know if that makes a difference or not I'll, I'll lean on the expert there but man they look good yeah well one thing that i've been thinking about is you know what's our take home what are we going to do different in the years to come because of this and I don't even know if there's any value in that because, you know, Ben, you know, Chris, well, you just made a reference. You've been looking for plots 30 years and you've never seen this. And so, I mean, is it is, is something that's that unusual and that unique? I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be changing a whole lot of things that we normally do. No, because and I of think this. the people that had good food plots, man, I think you're seeing this now because, I mean, we drill 120 acres of food plots a year for different clients and different things. But the people that had good food plots and it burned them, they seem to have, because I, look, I, I got phone calls from every one of them, I can tell you. Yeah. When you're getting paid to plant a food plot, if there's a problem with a food plot, they you call in the you. the first phone call. That's now. right. So I went to every place and um, that I, we had planted and looked at them. And, and now you go back and, and they're not you know they're not full grown, but like you told me before, Mitt, hey, Chris, those things have been established since September. They they're going to bounce back faster. And you was 100% right on the amount of growth that it did in a week's time. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them grew an inch, inch and a half. And I, and I, I would have never dreamed that because, you know, you think about it, we took that food away from those deer for, what, three, four, five days. They had nothing green to eat um, besides everybody running like their tails on fire over to the co-op and got corn. Man, don't yeah. you know they sold some corn. Yeah, they did. Well, I, I mean that, and, and that's going to get into what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah some of the um, reaction after, you know, mm-hmm. so the cold front freeze happened. So, and that's that's something we talked about. Well, I can tell you what I did. I went straight. You know, as I'm on, on one of my main farms, I'm I'm fighting a, a blue tongue outbreak two years ago. Building about so rebuilding. So I'm rebuilding, and and I've got some of the best crop of young deer that I've ever had. You know, I got five ten points that I'm watching. And and the first thing I thought about is, uh oh, they ain't gonna have any food. Yeah, let's mark that on time. We might edit that out. That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. But um, I went and I, I tell you, I fed every place. I sent two of my guys down there, and we we put I don't know how many bushels of corn, but it was a bunch of them. Uh, but but we fed them, and 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 they they went to it. But you know, and, and me and Mitt laugh about this, and some people are not gonna do it because they don't have the means to doing it, but. You know, that's where, Mitt, you've been on me about that standing corn and those standing beans. It was shining this year, isn't it? They were shining. I, I'm telling you, you know, I've got that. I think I planted eight acres of standing corn, and, and it looked like that's hogs. Huge. That's it huge. It looked like hogs, and we don't have hogs here. Right. But it looked like a highways going into that corn. It was a feedlot, cattle yeah, feedlot. It, it, it looked, looked like, like a cattle feedlot. And uh, I think you said your, your beans mm-hmm. were the same way. Yep. I mean, they were going to them, and, uh, and, which, you know – the people that do have the means that are managing on a big time, you may want to look at putting some standing corn, because I'm telling you, it is a it is the ticket. If you can do it and take care of it and make a crop, it's a game changer. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, when that freeze happened, in the conversations you hear a lot, all of a sudden you're looking at that. What what could we have done to hedge against that? Which is going to lead to some more interesting conversation. But 
you know, we talk about native nutrition and managing your land, managing all of your acres for, you know, for, for, for nutrition and, uh, and for deer, not just that, not just those fall food plots. Mm-hmm. All your eggs aren't in that basket, but, uh, you know, that, and that, that really prompted some conversation between us about how, how did, how much did that really impact? Yeah. So that's the interesting. Now, these to food me plots, yeah. if they get, if they were to get smoked, Right in snap your right, fingers right, and take right, them away. Yeah. January first or Christmas Day, whatever. If they just all of a sudden they're not there, who does that impact more, the deer or the deer hunter? That's an interesting conversation you know? because that, <laughs> and, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, and we were, you know, even I earlier today, we were, we were kicking around <laughs> what percentage of our deer's diet, you know, on a daily diet comes from these food plots. And, and, and look, a lot of the experts don't know. Bronson, right. Bronson was kind of like, man, I would love to know. Because mm-hmm. it, it would almost be an impossible be a study. Tough study. It'd be a tough study to see hey, how much is native browse, how much is food plots, and and the timing. Okay, mm-hmm. so what we're, you know, let's just say how how much those deer depend on good food plots in December, January, February. Yeah. Because clear. all right, so obviously, and this is, Y'all keep in mind, there's three of us here, and I'm the dumb one in the room usually. But how there's obviously not as much green browse in the woods right now as there is in, in late summer and early fall. But I'm a hunter, and I'm, I watch deer. I know they're eating more than just the food plot and acorns. And, and, uh, and if you have a feeder, I mean, they're not just living on that. Like, they're, they're browsers. If You said it best earlier, Mitt. If they're on their feet, they're eating. That's right. So I'd be curious to see how, you know, just how impactful it was for that. For the, I think what we're getting at with what, what would, the variable we don't know is how much of that daily diet, even in December, January, even in winter, comes from that food plot. Well, how much have we made those deer depend on us having them a food plot? Yeah. How about that? I mean, well, we know deer can live. You go through some just simple math, um, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but we do know that deer feed, you know, roughly five times a day. Two pounds a And two a times of those day, we're looking at them in our food plots in the morning and afternoons. And, I mean, how often, I mean, how long of a, of a time frame do you see your deer feeding in your food plots, Chris? I mean, when the deer walks out, from the time he walks in to walks out, how long is that generally in a food plot? You know, it's, it, it it depends, I guess. But you know, a lot of times they don't stay, they don't stay no more than thirty minutes. 15, 20 minutes, thirty so minutes. Yeah, let's 15, go twenty minutes. I would say fifteen or twenty. Let's right. go thirty. So, so that's how, an hour. But, but how much can they eat in that, that fifteen th- minutes? That's that's the interesting. That, that's the thing. That's the interesting. Because you know, they're. I mean, look, they're not. You know, you got one eyes always looking around, and others are are biting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would say fifteen minutes in a food plot with that head down, they're going to get more food than fifteen minutes browsing through walking through the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but still. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you go through that that just arithmetic there, and if it takes them longer in those other three times, you're only looking at twenty or twenty five percent of their. If our goal is to just to shoot one, or is our goal to manage a herd and grow one like yeah. like I'm doing on on one of my tracks down there now because I'm rebuilding, I'm trying to make sure that they're all healthy because my numbers went from seeing thirty on a food plot and ten bucks to seeing five. Yeah, so what you're looking at is, are, are you concerned with feeding him or him feeding you? Yeah. That's right. No, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, that's true. And and it goes to, and we, we threw this around, Mitt, it goes to um, supplemental feed. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that's a, hey, that's a dartboard question. People, you know, text, they've been doing it in Texas for, what, 75 years, right. 50 years. But now, I mean, but 
A lot of states, Wisconsin, Illinois, they, they ban it because of the spread of different diseases. And, and you know, you have, a, you have a certain amount that you can feed them legally. Yeah. Now, here where we're at, Mississippi and Alabama, now we can feed them. We Legally, got, we got CWD zones here right. in the state. That's the right, state but but we can out today, but we can so. feed them and and feed them legally, and and that's you know the way I see that too is is if you're dumb enough to pour ten dollar a bag stuff out there for the deer and you can afford it, so be it. I love the science and the data. I mean, I just I love that that side of it. And back when we were the the state and all the talk about you know starting to feed, you could not find a biologist anywhere in the southeast that was supporting it right and so that's interesting to me and right. so why yeah, what changed the science didn't change no 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 that's right and, and so we made those decisions obviously against data against the science against our biologists that we're entrusting to make those decisions so that's a that's an interesting well i think a lot of that was there. lobbying and it was money Look, growing, I mean, that growing was a, up, you know, baiting was a shady deal. Let me tell you something. We all, you know, y'all, the people that's listened to our podcast before, the the, the deer with the well, the bag with the biggest deer on is what we buy. Every corn bag now has got a big deer on the front <laughs> that's of it. Right. I mean, hey, you, well, a little worse than corn is that rice bran bag, right. a big drop tie. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. So you look at Tractor Supply, Walmart, uh, all of these places. They're carrying corn now, mm-hmm. apple flavored, persimmon flavored, whatever. Because it's it's a they're buying it. I mean, you know why they're buying it? Because it's effective. That's look. That and that's it, the frustrating. And that's <laughs> the part from from the the land manager. Because I don't, Chris, in our area, I don't know anybody that thinks about it, spends the resources, does all the work. Then our circle of, of of friends do. And I would hate to know the money that's spent and the time and the resources spent in deer management just in the circles that we run. And the reality of it is there can be a neighbor over there with 40 acres that doesn't do anything. But pour out with corn. Two, two bags of corn, and, and he's, in, he's in the game with us. Well, and look, y'all know because we talk all the time, but, I mean, I, I got, a, got a farm that's managed right at 400 acres. We we managed the habitat right. We've done, you know, Mitch. You, you I mean you've been a big part of that because we're doing some experimental things on there. I've got a guy that's got a half an acre and a house and a rental house. <laughs> he's got a corn feeder and a light. You got a picture of every. And he's deer got a got. picture yeah. of every deer, every big deer that I had on my feeders that I took over that four hundred acres. He had a picture of most of them in his backyard. In his backyard under that light under that corn, and that is true. So it's the great equalizer. So, so check this out. Besides a hot dough, a bag of corn is undefeated when it comes to white tail. World champion. It, it, it's, it's bottom line. And um, it, we can say it. And Look, I feed more than anybody you know because the main reason I do it is I don't want the deer that I'm letting go going on my neighbor and getting It's a defensive move, it's yeah. A defensive 100%. Move. <clears throat> I, I'm not sitting there with a gun blowing them down over it. But I'm making sure my feeders are full every week because I don't want them to have to leave. I'm already fighting with a doe, a hot doe, buck get behind her and get gone. You're fighting water, too. you fight fighting water. Flood, you know, right. creek flooding. That's right. Yeah. So I'm. they've got to know, and it's, <clears throat> it's worked for me in the past, and I still think it works for me now. I don't, and I'm, I'm trying to get mid on it now a little bit 
uh, on his place because he's got some neighbors that are feeding, and and uh, I think they're doing a good job. But you know, you're seeing the same deer. That's right. And I'm losing. I'm losing deer. To, you, to there's a hundred percent. Hundred percent. You're losing them. Um, you know. And what defense do you have? Well, I can tell you what defense you have. A man has got a place in the backyard that's there all the time. Mm-hmm. You either put yep. a fence around him, which I've done that before, <laughs> or you or you lose. You get ready to lose those deer because you we don't ha- we don't have a law here in the state of Mississippi that you know our feeding laws are got to be a hundred yards off the property line. Okay, yeah, for a you can for a feeder. All right. Well, in a man's backyard, there's a disclosure. Yeah, the curtilage of yeah, your home. Curtilage of your home. That's, that's reads, right. Yeah. So guess what? I can I can put three feeders on two acres and shoot every deer you got, and I have no I have no control to stop it. So that's when I I put a six foot so fence. That, that's that's disheartening as a as a land manager, and that's my passion. Y'all know that. Is that I don't? I'm starting to question now. Not really. I'm just it's just in conversation. But which one's better to have a big place highly managed or forty acres next to that guy? I, <laughs> you I know can, what I mean? I can tell you. Yeah, that's right. I can tell you the cheapest yeah. is have that five acres or three acres or one acre yeah. next to a guy that's got plenty of deer. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I'm gonna tell you something. People that are really really passionate about it. I mean, we got some we got some good clients. You know, meet you know the, the Hollis boys, mm-hmm. all those guys that are managing and do right. I mean, we're going to have to defend this stuff somehow. Yeah. Are you going to lose those deer every year? And it seems like the superstar loves to be in front of a corn feeder every time. He always wants to be on the property line. It just happens. That's just yeah. what it is. Well, yeah. the separation there, I think, and what I guess you're, you're, the way that you combat that is, and I'm starting to think through, rethink through this, is because we all want to be secretive. Um, you know, don't don't talk about the bucks that we have because that may engage somebody to hunt or do something like that. But I'm I'm rethinking that now. I'm not. I'm wondering if if more communication doesn't need to happen. Those landowners associations that we've talked about before. You know, get involved with your neighbors. Y'all be pulling in the same direction. Um, I think that may be where the conversation is going to have to go. I think so. I think any time you have good relationships with your neighbors. It, it goes so much better than having a bad relationship. You know, you always got that guy that's a turd head that you can't stop it. You know, he just he's just that way. Yeah. He's just one of those difficult guys. But, you know, the more you reach out to him, I think the more you soften that guy up if you're doing right. Now, if you're not doing right, you know, it's hard to reach out and ask him. Yeah, so you, can't, you can't ask a guy not to shoot this deer and you blowing him down. Yeah, and a lot of it's perspective because you can spin it right back around and say the guy with the 40 next to the guy with the 400 and, Has and, just and more right. means. He's like, hell, if I don't feed, excuse me, but if I don't feed, you know, I can't compete with him either. You know, mm-hmm. I'm competing with a guy with, with 10 times as much acreage as me and – and, and more resources than he's feeding, so i got to have a feeder on my 40. So, I mean, it, it, a lot of these conversations depend on what side of the, of the chair you're sitting, you know, what, mm-hmm. what side That's of right. it. Yeah. But now, I don't make any comparison to the guy with the 40 to the guy with the half-acre lot in the house doing his backyard. Now, that, that, that's, that, that's, 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 that's a whole different, different. That's and, a different and, 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 you know, in the conversation about supplemental feeding, I want to – make a distinction here too i make in my mind right or wrong i make a distinction between supplemental feeding 
and baiting and hunting over bait. You know what I mean? Because, look, I know guys that every year they're going to kill a 130 to a 150 with their bow. And, you know, I I mean, I don't know. I don't don't know the legality of it, and it's not mine to say, but, I mean, (laughs) they always got pictures of that deer, too. So Mm -hmm. they got got pictures of him because there was a corn pile in front of a camera, and I'm going to say there's a lock on or a climber right That's the reason they sit in there. That's right. And so you can – you can hunt the you, you you can have that spot that deer is coming to in corn, and you can play the wind right going to him, and you you know it, I guess it's a judgment call on that, and some of that just comes down to me being a little bit of a purist. And, That's right. And look, you know, and and I acknowledge that. Like I'm, you know, I'm I'm not so much hating on it. It's just not the game I'm playing. Yeah. And I and I accept that my my success is probably not going to be what theirs is, but we're playing two different games, so success well, is relative. To me, it, how you kill him really is irrelevant. But as a and neighbor, that's a little bit different to me. That's right. Yeah, that's I, right. I get you know that. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but, and I'm acknowledging that, so I'm, I've got a clear conscience about it. I'm but not, when I can get there, and why it's irrelevant to me is if I have neighbors and people associated in the area that are giving more than they're taking. They're producing more than they're killing. Then it works. Then it takes – it's irrelevant how you kill it. I don't care if you're sitting on top of a corn feeder uh, and shooting with a, with a rifle. It doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. But as long as our, our neighbors and, and, and us, we need to look in the mirror yeah. first, is we're producing more than, than we're taking. above the method. 100%. Yeah, well, I'm you, with that. And, I, you know, I, I don't I, have we, an argument for that we, either. We all have to do our part. You know, we can't have those takers – if ain't nobody put it back in that barrel, mm-hmm. that barrel gonna goes empty. dry. Eventually, it's gonna dry. You got enough folks dipping in it, yeah. it's gonna go dry. That's anything in life. And that that reminds but corn me, corn can drain that barrel. No, well, <laughs> corn and, is a tool. And that, you know what I mean, like that. And it really comes down to Chris. I've heard you say this too: is you pay for your neighbors. Ain't no question. Well, you, when you think about that, what does that even mean? You, you pay for your neighbors. Well, you don't have to think real hard that wherever you're hunting, you know areas within your county that they consistently kill big bucks. And I would say that that's probably not because of soil type. I would tell you because it's a mentality. It's a, it's a block Culture. of landowners in that area mm-hmm. that are doing good things. Doing it right. And when you and and you don't have to be a rocket science to know that land in that small geography, guess what? It costs more money. Yeah, it does. It's and, probably and I, not ever going to hit the market either. And I challenge you to find me an exception to that. So that's what that mentality of you pay for your neighbors, that's what that means. No question. So why can't we start creating that? We can create yeah, that Yeah, you could that create value. That's right. And, and, so, and I think the more we talk about it, the more listeners we have, the more other people are talking about it, I think we do create that. But you're always going to have that guy. I don't care if you're hunting – Look, I've hunted in Buffalo County, Wisconsin. I've hunted in South Texas. I've hunted all over this country. You're always going to have that guy that's going, I'm me, me. I'm, I'm for me. I'm going to do I'm what I want to do. I'm going to win. I'm going to win at all costs. Right? Then you're going to have the, the people that I say are like us that try to do right, try to give back, and you're just not going to change it. I mean, just, but we what we tend to want is to have more – people that's have the same thing on their mind the same mentality the same management strategies and and hey look if they kill that big deer that you've been you know you've had pictures of but they have pictures of it too and they kill it at least they're doing right yeah that bothers it 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 wouldn't bother me a bit for for 
for my my doctor neighbor that does right, that's taught me a lot of stuff, to kill one of these big deer than a guy that has a half an acre and a light. Yeah. That bothers me. It's sort of like, I think it was Marcus Lashley that said, and I can relate it to turkeys, is you got to make more than you take. That's right. You know, and that's, that, that's across the board. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's at the heart of being a conservationist. Yep. And if that's happening, your neighbor that you're referring to, Chris, you know, he may he may be the beneficiary of a big deer every now and then. But guess what? If he's producing just like you're producing, yeah, you're going to be reciprocal. That's, that's right. right. You're going to be the beneficiary of that. Look, I burn fifty or sixty acres on my neighbor every year. Okay, I do it every year for him. Trying to maintain those relationships. Free. Yep. Yeah. Don't charge him. We're we're good friends. He helps me, but I do it because my deer and his deer are the same. That's right. Free food is free for both of us, mm-hmm. and and the more we manage, the better you know the better stuff we have. But uh, you know, and and I guess we jumped off into this corn thing. But you know, that was one of the things you want to talk about, Mick, because we because we're having it, we're we're fighting this right now. You know, uh, on on everyday basis. I mean, we got both of me and you both have a mm-hmm. neighbor that we're having some trouble out of, and 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 uh, well, I don't say trouble, but I'm just saying they're you know. They're doing the same thing we're talking about. How do you defend it? And we ain't the only ones. I guarantee there's some listeners out there saying, hey, we know what you're talking about. Or they made some listeners saying, hey, I am one of those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I am one of those guys. I am, you know. And that is what it is. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's a look. If you, I told a man and and one of those guys, he he had that half acre, one acre. And he said, um, you know, I said, look, he said, well, you think I'm shooting all your deer? I said, no. I said, let me tell you what you do. You do. That's your land. You can do anything you want to on it. But this is mine, and I'm going to do anything I want to on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to choose to protect mine, whether it's having to put up electric fence or a fence, and I've done both. And let me tell you something to the listeners. It works. And 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 you you have to do what you have to do if you're passionate about it. If you don't care, then don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But anybody that puts the time, the amount of time and the amount of money that I do in managing these places, I'm going to try to protect them. Yeah, look, that, that you know, so that guy on the, on the, right on your property line with the house, he's not, and I'm not going to be careful because he's not trespassing or poaching, but it's, it's, it reminds me of that because that's something you can't control and you can't even quantify really the damage he's doing. You know, that's all, that's, that's like a, uh, that's like a guy with a fish pond, you can get an otter in it. Try. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really know you got an otter till you don't have any fish left. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's real similar to that. And and it's just you. It's so hard, like predators and and there's all these other things that you can manage around. You can manage for because you can sort of quantify what that impact is. But you know, a bad neighbor or even a poacher. You know, you can't quantify what how bad that hurts. Well, I'm interested in Brent's perspective on that because Brent's not a landowner yet, and. I, I could see where this make this conversation may come across as high hat or, or an, elite, arrogant. an elitist type, you know, conversation that you know the the guys that that own some land, you know, they're they've they think been they really the really protective, think they own the deer, right? Uh, and that's just not that's that's not what we're trying to communicate in in, in this regard. It, it's really about doing your being a contributor, whether yeah. you own twenty acres or two thousand. That's irrelevant. If we can all pull in the same direction as our resources will allow, good things are going to happen. And, yeah, and we've all I, got I testimonies so, for that. So even 
I go a step further. Even let's say the guy hunting public land that joins private land, that that neighbor, that joining property, that relationship still exists. And if if you, if one guy's doing real good and he's doing the right thing, like it's gonna help. Like uh, I don't see it having to be. I don't see where it'd have to be adversarial or, or you know. And I made the point earlier that you know the guy with the forty, I get. I get where it, it, it's it's a matter of the perspective of where you're at, you know, what side of that conversation you're on. But look, a lot of uh, I don't I don't know, like the example I made earlier about the guy bow hunting over a pile of corn, you know, that's success to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I guess it's to each his own in a way. Uh, I don't want to come off like a hater or a purist, but it's just not the game I'm playing. Yeah. So well, if if we're if we're conservationists, okay. I don't think anybody can sit and tell me that a guy sitting there in his backyard blowing a deer down off anybody, off the government land, off anybody, you can call that guy a conservationist. Well, you can't call him contributing. You call him an opportunist. Yeah. yeah. That's what you call him. And, and uh, you know, I I don't know. It is. I'm not going to be mad about it, but I'm going to tell you, it, it, it would upset you and it would upset anybody that if you're getting that now, you know, and that's that's just how it is. And I love, listen. I love watching deer. I've all, every house I've ever had, I've had corn feeder behind it to watch them. Yeah. I ain't never run the gun out the front window and shot, but I ain't never made it. Now, not saying I wouldn't. <laughs> the right opportunity. Yeah, that's right. So. Now, if he's a boon and cry, and we look, look, we'll we'll shoot marbles. But yeah. uh, no, nah, but I'm just saying it, it, it's a uh, you know we kind of got off on it instead of going back to the the health of the deer in late season. I think that's where we were going to supplemental feeding and and uh, but. I guess we. But when you start talking about corn, though, you know, that, there's a lot of conversations inside that because everybody's right. sort of uh, at freeze, kill those food plots, and you just heard a lot of chatter about that. About you know, and, and like well, you we said, didn't know if they were going to come the back. Corn to them, and, and, right. and it really, it really piqued my interest when I heard. I think Mitt, you were the first one to kind of say, "Well, well, hang on, how how big of a deal is it really yeah you know you know look they're already green again the deer back on it and it was it was sort of like uh like the sky was falling there for a little while well i'll tell you this i don't know if they threw that corn out and jumped the deer stand but i can tell you this we were getting 50 deer a night while that cold weather was going on they were plugging them down (laughs) And well, and crisp. I mean they were Everybody yeah was I mean they was the, I mean it was a, well you was talking about the perfect storm it was yeah. a, that cold look, weather put them on that, that put them on there it put them on that corn and let me tell you something they they put them on them rifles too because they was popping down on them look but, I was out of town with the family but look I don't know if I'd want to be sitting out there you know I, it was rough yeah nine that degrees about twenty five mile an hour wind it, that uh. little buddy I can tell you this Walmart sold out all the little buddies little buddy heaters they were gone <laughs> but. That's cold, man. Yeah, that's that's cold, cold yeah. for the deer. That's cold for the deer hunter. That's, that's tough. Mitt, what do you think about the the you know we're in we're in in Mississippi right now. We're in January, uh, first week of January. So you know the most stressful period that we know that the deer go through is going to be this month and and into next month. Um, rutting, you know, they're still mm-hmm. rutting here. You know, we're waiting on what we call the secondary type rut, but but you know. Um, and and just their overall health, you know, the, the the main purpose of growing a big deer, and we talk about growing a big deer all the time, is is getting him as healthy as we can coming out of the rut, getting his body built back up, so he don't have to use a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
he can only have to use all of that energy and all that, you know, stuff to, to build his body back up, and then he can go to his antlers quicker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it goes back to everything we've been doing now that the food plots are coming back. And, you know, it, it, like Brent said, the sky wasn't falling. But it's still, we, we're at that situation where, yeah. you know, how healthy do you want to see yours go? Yeah. So, you know, if if now is the first time you're thinking about that, you're really behind the eight ball. Right. And so those types of thoughts really need to be premeditated. And so if you're having those thoughts right now, you're really thinking about it for, for next year. Right. And so when you – and everything that we do, we're doing – we're not thinking about only during deer season. We're trying to carry that deer health and, and maximize the resources for deer – every single month and intentionally thinking about every single month on the calendar all 12 of them and what can i do the best in that month what can i provide them in that particular month that's going to be the best resources for them and so you know going into the time that's the most stressful traditionally we've already prepared for that back in in september planting with with, good stuff with you know the different clovers and, and the times that they mature and come off to make sure they overlap in in their peak during the time when the deer need that the most. And so being very intentional about that, I mean. So even now, so what you said about the clovers, you know, they took one of the biggest hits off this freeze. I mean, there's no question. They're, they're sprouting back, but they're not where they need to be. And they'll get there by the time the spring comes. But right now, what are we going to do? And some people are going to have to supplemental feed. I mean, some people are going to have to go out and put some some pellets out, some protein pellets. Well, I think that's that's the argument, and it gets back to you know the, the total habitat management. Is that if we've done a good job in early succession and managing our, our native habitat, then that's where I would see back to that argument of the food plots. What percentage of the food plots is, is supplementing our deer's daily diet in a really good habitat? I would argue twenty five or less percent. If I've got a monoculture stand of 25-year-old pines unthinned, then a good food plot is probably going to be the majority. Right, 50, um, 75 Maybe, maybe if more. If that's all they got. If that's all they got. And, and so um, that's that's where... So, so we really don't need to make it be that's all they got. That, uh, that's the take-home message. Yeah. That's the take-home and, uh, message. You know, the, the, and the main thing is, is growing those deer, is, is getting them healthy, and, and whether it's natural browse, food plots, supplemental feed... I think all those are tools that we use. Um, I, I really do. I think it's all the tools that we use, and I think those those are you know important tools. Um, whether you you know like you said, if if you want to feed them at feed them at Buck Builder two thousand, and you can afford <laughs> to do it, hey, more power to you. More power to you. And I mean, I know some some of my clients that they religiously feed them protein, and they swear by it, and they kill big deer. And how can I argue with that? Right. Uh, and you don't, you know them too, right? I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good thing. Now, you know, like you was talking about sitting there thinking about the future. So, I was sitting in the stand today, and I called the co-op, and went ahead and ordered my joint veg, because I'm thinking I'm already thinking, hey, yeah, I'm already making that, that play. I'm already making ready. that play because yeah. I didn't. I got left out last year because it was hard to get. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I called, I called Jeff, and I said, hey, I need you to call and see what the availability is, and I want to pre, I want to go ahead and get it. Yep. And uh, because I've, I've already planned, and I'm sitting in that stand, 
and I'm planning on which fields that I'm going to plant summer time, summer plots for. Yeah. And it's in the middle of the coldest. It's mm-hmm. I'm in the winter. Yeah. But that's what I'm thinking, and I think as a good manager, that's the preparation. I mean, that's, that's the, the preparation that's you got to right. do. Yeah. Okay. And and you know when I was looking at some drainage in some fields, I mean just different thing. You make that checklist. You make that checklist right now for how you want to fix things. Man, I got you, you say that I got some video with the drone at, at, at that track right uh, this week and that after that big rain you could see how that 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 gas line you call it is crowned just enough I mean look there wasn't a wet there wasn't any standing water in it and it's, it's run off you got like a football had, field. Had sort of ditches on both sides it, it was beautiful I mean I'll probably post something mm-hmm. probably run something on social media on that because that's a, that's it looked right. good it, I flew it because I wanted to get I wanted to get an image of how green that was mm-hmm. coming back from that freeze what really what really jumped out to me is the drainage on that sucker it's yeah. crowned it was clean and we talk ditches and drainage all the time mm-hmm. it's a good, Look good. good picture what you think Mitt? i don't know what what else to cover on this uh we don't beat this horse pretty good well, it, it's we time. started out on a freeze, time. and we started slamming people in the well, corn feeder. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking. About. I love it. <laughs> oh, Mitt brought that hate out. He's usually the nicest one out of all of us. He, <laughs> man, I, well, I tell you what, though, if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. You, you're going to. I'm starting I'm to rethink my thought on if that. If you're listeners, if you're not feeding them, and and I, and I, I hope you can go by and do it. But if you have neighbors that's feeding them. You're gonna have to yeah, yeah, offset it's, it. I look, it's I've been tough. hunting. We say that I was hunting. I've been hunting small track this year, and just sort of intentionally just get back to bow hunting, hunting some funnels and trails and, and, and acres. And I'm telling you, at four o'clock, I hear a feeder at one corner on a neighbor, and I know the other neighbor's feeding, and and I am just I'm seeing I'm seeing deer, and every now and then I get a picture. I know there's a couple mature deer in there, and zero. You cannot. It it is not. It's not a level playing field. I'm hunting. You know, being diligent about the wind. I'm I'm hunting. I'm on. I'm on funnels. I'm on sign. But you just can't compete. It's it's that different. Hurts my feelings. It's different. Right. And and like I said, look, it's just the game I'm playing, and I accept that my odds of success the are going to be less. The only way you can compete on a big thing is that standing corn. They love that standing corn. They they really do, and they like it. It's natural to them. And but you know some people can't. I mean, it's standing corn's right. aggravating, aggravating to grow. And you and can't go buy expensive. that at Walmart. No, mm-mm. but that but that standing corn is, is is magic to them. That's the only thing I know that can compete with them. That's pretty good chat. That that's, is, that's thought provoking. That's right. That's something for everybody to think about. I mean, it's it's right or wrong. If you're the guy, if you're the guy hunting over the feed. Are you the guy fighting it? I, mean, I tell you, with a guy, I don't want to be is a guy that's got to come up with a title for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talked about the freeze, the food plot recovery, and I don't know what to call it. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it kind of got hatred. It, it got a little little hater in it, but uh, but it's a know. good comment. Look, everybody listening knows what we're talking about. You've been on one side or both. Most well, of us, we're, we're on both sides of some of these things, and we acknowledge that it's no, it's the big elephant in the room. There's, you know, we we acknowledge yeah. the conflict there. Look, uh, I, you know, I'll feed them. I mean, I mean, I don't yeah. hide it. And I, I mean, still, it's no, a big difference between feeding and baiting, even. Yeah. You know, so that you can extend the conversation. Yeah. It's just it's. It's a stigma around it, no matter what. I mean, because look, if 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 you kill a if you kill a deer with your loggy bow tree stand, 
you're gonna have him laid over next to the deer in the hero shot. If you you know if you kill him with your Matthews bow, you're gonna have the bow laying up there against him. But you ain't never seen a man with a sack of corn laid up there in his hero shots. But I'm telling you, that's what. But I tell you what, that would make a that would that would make a good Instagram picture. Yeah. It would uh, Facebook. Oh man, yeah, you, we'll, those we'll hero shots that. are in that biologic clover a lot. So what you never saying? You ain't got that guy holding them two sacks of corn and they grinning behind you <laughs> no. and you holding that deer. You've never seen that hero shot. I ain't never longed on a corn sack. <laughs> there's my title of the podcast there right there. Yeah. Oh man, but there's a lot. Look, we're we're excited about the new year. We're excited about the podcast. Uh, as we, we always, got several look, man. Coming. I we got a lot of good topics coming. Appreciate up. the feedback, and 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 we're going to effort getting a little bit more regular. We acknowledge it's been a little sporadic. We uh got spread out pretty good over the holidays. You know, holidays are what they are. Just gets away from me. It's hard to get in a room together sometimes. And uh, but we're excited about the new year. Uh, shoot, excited about this month. Bucks right. are chasing does. That's right. Uh, and and I got I started a I started a countdown on my phone the other day. I think it's sixty eight days to turkey season. Nice. And so in between there, I got several deer to kill. Probably gonna get uh, little Mitchell to teach me how to trap. There you go. <laughs> that'll be on the that'll be on the topic. Yeah. May see if I can find somebody to get me on a hog hunt. There's a lot to do, and I have a whole list of honeydews to do too. But uh, been a good topic. I the, think everybody can. I think everybody can. Not uh, as technical as a topic, right? But you know, but a valuable topic. Maybe the most controversial. That's right. One of them. We may have stuck a flag in the ground. I don't really know. I, I, we didn't really take a position. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. All right. Well, look, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, y'all, y'all, give us a listen. Give us a, a review. Give us a like. You know the drill. Uh, I said I wasn't gonna. We appreciate y'all over the hill with that anymore, but you know, you just can't help it. You know, it makes a big Support difference. Yeah. We appreciate the listeners, and we're getting a lot of good feedback. And and look, we got some good, really, really good topics, and uh, that that's heading this way. So we're 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 pretty excited about it. Not right. well, thank look, you. Y'all have a good one. Happy New Year, and we'll catch you next time. I still got no idea what we're talking about. I'm just right. gonna follow y'all's lead. So no. You want to make a We're going all over the place on this. Killing me, man. You're killing me. Freeze. Food blights. I'm just going to follow y'all.